Hey everyone, it's Pineapple. Just a quick note before we start the episode, this episode contains some not-so-nice four-letter words in it. We've bleeped them out, so if you hear this sound, that means it was bleeped. In the context of the sentences, it may be obvious what was said, so if you have kids, you may want to listen to this episode without them. Wholesome Transmissions is sponsored by Riptide Esports. Riptide is a fantastic upcoming esports organization that focuses on community and camaraderie more than just results. Similar to the message of this show, Riptide knows that player well-being and outlook is just as important as performance and skill, and that's why we're thrilled to be sponsored by them. Follow them on Twitter at Riptide underscore HQ and get plugged into their Discord server that's open to the public. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wholesome Transmissions. And we're in season two, um, which we've called therapy sessions, again, kind of exploring people's um, failures or difficulties in life and sort of finding uplifting and hopeful moments um, within that. And this is our um, one of our bonus episodes for the season where we kind of bring in guests that are possibly a little different than the normal format of the episode. Typically, we focus on video games and esports, and the bonus episodes are sort of for guests that maybe are a little different, follow a little bit of a different format than that. And today, we have exactly that. We have um, Chris Christo Tudelu, I think. Uh, how do you say your last name? I'm so sorry. <laughs> we're, we're, you were almost close enough. It's Christo Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. yes. Okay. You added a two. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say. I was like, for the last week, I was like, how do I say his last name? I was very. Curious. Oh, you should have. You should have asked uh, me. I will send you. I, I have a video that I send people for for a while, which I found online. You know these videos that have uh, how to pronounce whatever, and there's some. It's a person that is like, <laughs> and they do the pronunciation. And I found one that actually pronounces my name in Greek, which is so funny to to hear. And I have a call. I have the only comment underneath it that says accurate. That's funny. Awesome. Well, yes, we have Chris here with us today, who's a composer um, from Athens, Greece, who basically composes music for video games, movies, short films, and other forms of media. Um, his body of work includes the video games Risk of Rain, Risk of Rain 2, Deadbolt, and The Sea That Will Claim Everything. And then also the 2018 film, uh, Do It Yourself, and along with his own music that he does. Um, so most notably, probably, if you are a video gamer, you'll probably know of um, his work through Risk of Rain. But Chris is a really just an extraordinary um, and talented composer. And while I was researching and drawing up outlines for the show, I was listening to a lot of Chris's music. And I thought, you know, I wonder if you would be interested in being on our show because... Um, his 
video game music is just really incredible and it creates such an interesting atmosphere that I really wanted to just talk to him about it. Um, so Chris, again, yes, thank you so much for coming onto the show today. And um, I guess starting out, um, how has life been treating you and what's been going on for you recently? Well, hello. Thank you for having me. Now it's the typical intro because I bursted into your intro before. That, that's okay. Uh, we were a little <laughs> avant-garde. <laughs> yes, I wanted to, to, to show, you know, how it's going to go from now on. No exactly. more rules. <laughs> yes. No, we have uh, no rules. Okay. Uh, well, thanks a lot for the kind words, first of all. Um, mm. um, well, how I'm, I'm going, uh, I've been good. I had a, a little bit of time to take some vacation actually through this uh, uh, Christmas and New Year's uh, period. I don't know mm -hmm. when this will drop, but you, you guys know now where we're recording. Yeah, uh, like late just January. After Christmas. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. And uh, so that was uh, important because I was actually quite tired. I've been working a lot. I've been working Risk of Rain 2 for a long time, needed some time off, and now I'm back. I'm kind of getting into the groove again, uh, wrapping up the project, basically, and preparing for maybe new things. Uh, and generally, I'd say I'm in a pretty good place right now. I've, I've had some time to recover and, you know, just be, just be good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I uh, certainly, um, especially when work can get a bit overbearing uh, and just, you know, a lot, it's going to take some time to, you know, relax. And then also when you go back to it, you have more of a, a creative mind and you're open to new ideas and things like that. So I'm really glad to hear that. And I guess, I guess starting out then with Risk of Rain 2, um, so I, I, I thought... It was. It would be interesting to ask you how has it been on Risk of Rain Two, where since um, the game was released in early access in 2019, and it sort of came out with maps and content not um, finished yet. You've been sort of working on this soundtrack dynamically, where you know new stuff is coming out, and then you have to kind of come up with music for it. So, how has that experience been? Hold up! Just wait a minute. The heck we talking about? Hey guys, this episode is all about the Risk of Rain series, and I realized that we didn't really talk about what the series actually is in this episode, for those who may not know. Essentially, Risk of Rain is a platforming game with roguelike elements where death is permanent and the sequence of stages and items you obtain is randomly generated. Over time, you complete achievements to unlock more items that you can potentially get, and theoretically, the game can go on indefinitely as you get into harder and harder content. Risk of Rain 2, which came out in 2019, is the sequel to Risk of Rain, and it's basically the same concept, but taken into a three-dimensional space. Huh. This episode's starting to make sense. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, been, it's been a first for me. Uh, it's been tough in many ways, but mm. it's also fun. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to see the game develop, and it's also interesting to have this time to to, to work on things again and again, go back on previous things, uh, introduce, you know, whatever new stuff that uh, come to me for the new tracks, then I can say, okay, this is an interesting idea. I can sort of go back and add it to one of the previous tracks that exist already. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is an interesting process. It's, it's, it's been 
challenging but fun in a way and uh, it, it, it was also good to have a little bit of time to take a look at the at the bulk of the project the the the, the main part of the project the music from a, a little bit of a distance but still have the opportunity to revisit it and do changes because usually you know you you work on something you rush to the finish line you put it out and then it's done but you don't have the chance to kind of you know fix stuff i mean you always do it yeah. in games but with music it's not that common to you know go back and change the music so in this one we had this rare opportunity to communicate to people that you know this music is not done and we're still working on it so it's part of the whole early access thing and this exactly. has made it interesting because i had the chance to take a lot of feedback from people we had a lot of uh, feedback about the music and how it works in the game mm -hmm. uh, uh on the other hand of course you know it, it 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 prolongs the process which that has been uh you know taxing on my on my uh kind of uh, i don't know let's say not not strength but at some point you 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 reach your limits to how much you can work on the same project you know exactly. it's uh you, you want it to be done at some point but of <laughs> course now I'm, I'm kind of close to the to the finish line so i'm not i'm not it's not like i'm complaining or anything it's just that it was really really different yeah well absolutely and i think like you know if you're if you're working on one project for like a, you know a year or something or, or a long span of time and you've been of actually on... more it's it's almost two years that i've been working oh. on Rich. I may, maybe even more i mean <laughs> and to get something straight because people that are maybe are composers we listening yeah. uh it's not that every day i'm working on risk of rain but it's been two years that i'm also working on risk of rain on mm -hmm. maybe on the side of other things and that that's that's really challenging you know to have this at the back of your head at all times for for a couple of years exactly well yeah and you know it's sort of the idea of when you're working on a project and you're seeing it every day it's difficult to approach it with a new set of eyes or look at it like uh, making changes because you've been like you've been already analyzing it for so long and like you you know every beat and you know everything that's going on in it but the idea of like shifting things around or especially adding new material that fits in with the, the field of the old can be challenging i'm sure um, yeah. And then I did want to ask, because, you know, going on the same topic, um, I was listening to your commentary on Risk of Rain 1, where you talked about each track of the album and how with Risk of uh, Rain 1, the entire album had a few central themes, like the main theme that carried through the entire album. So with working on something dynamic like this, is that something that you've still been looking at with Risk of Rain 2? And how do the new tracks kind of fill, uh, fit in with, with what you've already done? Uh, well, yeah, I've I've been trying to uh, to keep the 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 word I often use for Risk of Rain one is that it's a monolithic soundtrack. It has, it's very kind of tight uh, in thematically and and sonically. And I try to to carry over this with a new one, although uh, very deliberately we have a, a bit of a different sound, but still um, I I again have thematic stuff that carry through every track and are kind of a, a line, a through line through the, the entire album. But this time I didn't focus so much, let's say obsessively as I did on, on Risk of Rain 1 with the main theme and the 
a couple of side themes that I used over and over. They still occur in this game almost, again, almost on every track, but they are not as prominent uh, as they were on Risk of Rain 1, in, in which they were like the core of each track and then it would build up on that. Here it's more like um, kind of a, an outside layer that, you know, keeps things within a, a certain framework, a musical framework, let's say. But, but the frame itself are some other ideas that I have developed, which uh, sometimes uh, it might be just a particular palette, a specific mm -hmm. sounds, or uh, some... Uh, rhythmic motives that I'm using over and over, or, or even, even a bit more abstract ideas that uh, I will eventually elaborate on them when I do the new commentary for the new album. But the, yeah, there, so there is the same approach, but it's not, it's not, maybe it's a bit more complex or even abstract, but, but I have the same thing in, in the back of my head. Yeah. Well, and I think in terms of the difference between Risk of Rain 1 being a two-dimensional game and a side-scroller and then Risk of Rain 3 being this three-dimensional space where you're like, there's just a vast amount of space in the game. To me, I think what you've done in Risk of Rain 2's soundtrack kind of mirrors that in terms of you have these more like spacious landscapes of sounds that really pair so well with what's going on in the game in terms of exploring these open areas. And Risk of Rain 1, while you did have a lot of open space, it was almost like a little more claustrophobic because you were in tunnels or inside you know smaller areas. And um, and then with Risk of Rain 2, you have sound, you have some tracks like uh, the raindrop fell from the sky that was like you know like I think it was 11 or 12. 12 minutes long mm -hmm. um, and they create a much more longer feel of the track yeah that's that's true it's uh, one one of the things that we discussed quite early on with Hopu was that it would be it would be good for this game it would fit the game to have even longer tracks I mean mm -hmm. even the first game has long tracks for video game standards you know yeah. you, uh, but uh, but this time around, we were kind of uh, more more aware, let's say, of this that we, mm -hmm. because the game would have these open spaces, and we we knew that already. Uh, we said, okay, it's fine if we if we take it longer. So I think most of the tracks are five minutes and above. And yes, we do have some like eight, seven minutes, eight minutes, twelve minutes tracks that that play in the game, and um, I think it does work in favor of the open space that uh, you traverse uh, and and the and and especially this the, the 3d of the environment the the fact that now you can move along every direction and and you know uh, experience the world in a more kind of tactile way in a sense yeah absolutely I think the transition from 2d for risk of rain to 3d creates this old like you were already you already had the feeling of isolation when you're playing risk of rain from the very beginning and your music yeah. accentuates that and really shows that risk of rain three it almost feels like more isolating in a way because you can look out and see the expanses of this three-dimensional world and then your music kicks in and you just kind of feel that that like gut feeling of like oh yeah, i'm really alone and like there's all these monsters following me <laughs>
Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a quite interesting thing you mentioned. I had this exact conversation a couple of days ago, talking about something about the project that um, the the feeling of of isolation is quite uh, prevailing and intense in the game, despite mm-hmm. the fact that it is a game that is predominantly made to be played with friends. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. still, we have we have tried to 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 make it. To, to to infuse it with this kind of uh, isolation and and maybe loneliness or the vastness you know that that, that there's a lot of things around you far away from you and uh, you know you, it's just a big big open space out there exactly yeah I've I mean I've played risk of rain to quite a bit I mean I've played over like 120 hours since it's come out on the switch mm. and wow yeah thank you <laughs> I, I, i love the game and um my my brother-in-law is who got me into it because he said risk of rain 2 just came out you need to buy it so we can play it right now i said absolutely let's go and i've i've played about i would say about 20 of that time um with my brother-in-law and having that co-op experience but a lot of it has been solo and doing um solo runs of the game yeah you get that feeling of, of the isolation Um, and for me, video games, along with their music, especially like create a certain mood, you know, a certain vibe mm-hmm. when it's like late night, you're playing Risk of Rain 2 by yourself, you get that feeling of just like isolation. But there's also sort of like this weird hopefulness that comes from that, because like you know, the idea of the game is you're constantly progressing and getting further. Um, yeah. And it creates a very interesting mood, I, I find that I don't think a lot of other games replicate. Well, that that's good to hear. I th- because I think it's it's one of the of the goals of uh, mm-hmm. of hope to to have this kind of feeling, you know. To, I mean, any 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 type of uh, let's let, not exactly intense, but but uh, to trigger a, a, such an emotion, that's mm-hmm. that's a good thing. It's a it it feels like a success to us to hear this, uh, to hear you say it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm. I think, and I. I would hope that a lot of other people that have played the game, you know, maybe share that sentiment or have had other emotions that have come up after playing the game or experiencing it. And for you, has there been any specific moments, either during the development of the soundtrack or from feedback you've heard um, from people that have really stood out to you? Oh, I wish I had. Um prepared something like there, there have been several moments i've i've been really uh i don't want to say blessed but uh I, there there were times where i got feedback from players that really moved me from mm-hmm. from the emotional response that players had uh to the game in combination with the music and it's been really kind of a crazy ride especially with risk of rain one which is out so long but already already with risk of rain two i often get some kind of very positive feedback that it's not hey cool music bro and and stuff like that it's kind of a deeper thing that it says you know i've i've been through these feelings listening and playing through the game and that's that's i i it's hard to describe because it's not you know it's it's kind of maybe Corky to say that uh, it's why we do it, but this is when when this happens, it's really rewarding, and I I just love it. Uh, I don't have any particular comments now, but uh, to to like quote or something, but uh, yeah. yeah, we had such uh, such responses that were really kind of intense and emotional. 
And it's a lot of that, like actual descriptions of the way that your music and the game are making people feel instead of just this like, yeah, it was a great soundtrack or something like that. You know, it's a lot of more emotional and personal responses, I find. That's true. And I, and I think a lot of credit needs to go to to Hopu, the team behind the game, because actually, um, despite the game, like on a surface level being, you know, you just you're just dropped there and you start fighting. Uh, uh, critters and stuff and and the big bosses and all that stuff and it's intense and it's action packed uh mm -hmm. but despite that i've i've seen how hopu treats their games with with risk of rain and with deadbolt and yeah and with deadbolt and especially with risk of rain if you start paying attention to to the lore and the story of the game a lot of people, when they started realizing like what's going on behind the stuff and played through the final level and noticed that there's kind of this ambiguity, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, why is this fight going on? Th there were a lot of people that started commenting on that. And I think that uh, just like the, the music uh, that we put in the final level informed this kind of, prepared for this kind of feeling of, mm -hmm. wow, what's going on here? Also, the, the writing and the, and the story behind it, you know, fed to the music and, and these two worked in conjunction to create this kind of intense reaction to it. Which is, uh, you know, I I wanted to point it out because sometimes, you know, you get a lot of feedback about, well, this great gameplay, the graphics are cool, whatever, you know. But it's I don't see enough uh, mention on the on the writing and the and the story of the game, which I think is really good. I mean, t talking with Hope sometimes, I really get surprised on the depth that they they uh, you know go to 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 figure out stuff about such details that not many people will, you know, discover or bother with. No, I agree. I was actually recently l listening to a couple of videos and looking at some of the lore of Risk of Rain 1 and also some of the entry logs that Hopu has already um, put out for Risk of Rain 2 with the monster logs. And exactly, like, while the game is on its surface, this roguelike game, you know, third-person side-scroller platform or whatever, whichever one you're playing, um, shooter... Mm -hmm. It's much more involved than that when you get into the story of the different creatures and why you're on this planet and what is actually happening behind the scenes that makes you question things. And I think exactly. that's what any and that's what any good game, I think, should do is make you question or think about like either the real world or the way that people interact with each other or anything yeah. like that. Games that make you think are important. And while on its surface, Risk of Rain 2 might not seem like that, it really is. And especially not only in the the feelings that, that listeners or, or, sorry, players have, um, but also the way that the lore interacts. Yeah, I mean, we're not claiming that we're going to change the world through Risk of Rain or, or anything, but <laughs> we, we do put an effort to have to, to for it to be... To be an artistic, you know, output, not just uh, like a simple. I mean, not not that it's simple to make an action game and be and, and have it be good. I don't want to yeah. dismiss anything like that. And and even and of course, the game is primarily about pure fun. It's I'm not gonna pretend that it's some sort of you know like philosophical <laughs> argument or whatever. But you yeah. know, we, we we do our best to to make sure that every little bit is is up to par. 
Well, yeah. And I'm gl- and I certainly think that you have achieved that with what's already out in Risk of Rain 2, not to mention the fact that we, you know, there are future updates to the game as well that players can expect. Yeah. Um, and then, so one of the questions I wanted to ask you, though, is now I don't know if you have another job that you have outside of just being a, a composer and engineer and things like that. But I was curious, as um, an artist, I can imagine your work-life balance is probably a bit different than what most people mm. My, I guess, um, yeah. And I was just kind of curious, how do you kind of manage your projects and how do you find the time and, you know, make sure that you can give yourself enough care that you need, um, you know, on a, on a weekly or, you know, daily basis? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, yeah, I, I guess it, it's not, I, 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 maybe some composers are more, let's say, disciplined than, than I, and in that sense, maybe uh, they deal with it more like a nine to five kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Although I'm, I'm sure not many of them do, but yeah. uh, it's true that it's, it, it can be kind of weird sometimes. Uh, my schedule is kind of funky, let's say. Um, but let's just say that throughout the years and uh, I've ac- acquired some habits that there were primarily put in my daily routine or my weekly routine to for me to maintain my sanity over you know like long-term work such as this like taking two years to to focus on a project or Mm -hmm. or even months it's it's still very taxing uh so uh some stuff i do like daily is that i take time every day to read and if i don't do that i feel that my day hasn't started so my you know my wake-up routine is i'm gonna wake up I'll probably work out a little bit or, or go for a run or something. And then I will go and spend one hour, or an hour and a half uh, at, a, at a nearby coffee place that I like. And I'll just read a book or, you know, check, check some news on the phone. I'm gonna, not going to pretend that I'm like a, uh, a woke person that only reads books <laughs> and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a regular yeah. guy. I will, I will yeah. go on Facebook. I will, you know, do Twitter and whatever. But mm-hmm. I also take a little bit of time, at least a little bit of time every day to read. And uh, yeah. that just clears my head. And also it, it gives me a lot of inspiration. Uh, and it's also kind of interesting to have totally unimportant and casual conversations with people that I semi know, you know, the people that work there, uh, the people that come in every day like me, uh, that you will yeah. say hello, but you don't, you don't need to engage and do anything meaningful or something. It's just, just a casual conversation that, you know, uh, and and that's that's uh, working a lot for me. I also take a lot of, a long a lot of time, uh, especially when the weather is good, to take walks, like listen to a podcast or an audiobook or whatever, or yeah. just music. Uh, things like that are pretty important. And also another strict rule that I've uh, uh, set on myself. Uh, maybe for the couple uh, four or five years is that I've stopped working on weekends and uh, and holidays and I kind of try to stick with that until it's absolutely necessary like when we're very close to a deadline and I have you know some a little bit of I hesitate to call it crunch but uh, you know some some longer nights or longer days I will I will do it but I will try to like keep it to a couple of weekends in the entire year and uh this has been extremely helpful i cannot stress it enough it has been extremely helpful for me 
to keep my sanity because then at these days I say I can do whatever I want. I can sit and play video games. I can see my friends. I can play board games, uh, see my girlfriend, whatever, and spend the, this time entirely with them. You know, not not yeah. be distracted or not having to work or and uh, it it might. Uh, seem like a very regular thing but because we don't have the nine to five work for a lot of uh, people especially in games this is not taken for granted and i think it's it's very important to say that you know i don't know if it's it, if weekends work for everybody but everybody should spend calculate their schedule in a way that has regular and uh proper you know not half-assed uh uh, breaks that they can recover and rest and socialize and do what they want to do, you know, outside work. Because, uh, of course, I'm a, I'm, I write music. It's I'm not going to pretend it's, you know, I'm not building houses and stuff. It's not like an exhausting thing that, uh, and it can al also be a lot of fun, but yeah. it's, there are a lot of times that it can be hard work in the sense that, you know, your brain gets really tired. You, you're fed up. Sometimes you don't want to write the, the music that you're writing because you're in a different mood, but you just have to. Uh, mm -hmm. Things like that can get, you know, intense. And so taking the time off is really important for me. No, I, I agree completely. I mean, I don't know how um, the work kind of culture is over in Greece, but I know, in, you know, where, where I'm in the U.S., it is a very, you know, it's, it's sort of the norm that people like work weekends or work really long weeks in a lot of fields. And I think that um, while that might be good for a period of time, I think that it is important to look at yourself and realize I need to have downtime. I need to be able to go to some place where I can just unwind and I can't be going all the time. You know, I, I think that it is, I think, you know, very good on you for making that um, decision that I'm going to spend these days on myself. And, you know, I think another issue that I find in society nowadays is the fact that if you do that, if you're not always trying to do something productive, I feel like you're looked down upon. And oh, that's 100% true. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's not true. the case. It's the fact, you know, you have to live your life. Like you it's, have uh, a career. It's horrible. It's horrible that there, there is this mentality there. It's absolutely horrid. I, I completely disagree. Yeah, you, me too. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I, I remember, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was the idea that the things that really are worthwhile in life sometimes have no actual value. Like it's the things like art and music and things like that, that impact you in such a way that people might, you know, look like or write off as this isn't very important or like, you don't need to do that. And it's like, yes, you do, because, you know, eventually it's going to catch up to you where you're going to get burned out or you're going to, you know, you're going to be like down the road 10 years and thinking, why did I do that for all this time? You know, and yeah, it's the yeah. idea of you have to, you have to live your life. So I, I'm really glad to hear that um, on your end. And I can only imagine that, you know, there are some, some struggles with um, that type of work and the things that <laughs> you've maybe had to go through. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and I should, I should maybe do a little bit, a small clarification because I don't want to sound like I'm like, like uh, too strict on myself even, or that I, sh I, sh I advocate that everybody should do what I do. But just to, just to clarify, for example, one, one of the things that I've managed to, to accomplish for myself and to, and to realize about myself is how I work and how, how uh, 
functional I am at what I do. So, for example, a lot of people ask me, you know, how do you get inspired and all that stuff? And one of the things I say is that I don't, it's not really about inspiration so much because writing music is a little bit just another work that you do and you, you study and you get good at it and you learn to do it. So one of the things I say is that essentially when I sit down to write, I will write. Doesn't, I don't need to be, you know, no divine inspiration is needed. I have learned <laughs> how to do it. But the thing is, if you, if you learn how to do it, you also learn like the, the, the particular circ circumstances. So for example, if one day I sit down and it just doesn't work out, I, I do a couple of tries and it, it doesn't come out. It's just, you know, I write something mediocre, doesn't, it's not worth it. First of all, I'm not frustrated because discarding work means that you've done progress. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing is that, you know, if I spend a couple of hours and it's just, there's no outcome, I will stop writing and I will do other things that I need to do that are still work. I will, you know, catch up on my emails. I will do, do whatever I need, maintenance. I will back up my files. I will do whatever. Uh, but again, this will not frustrate me. And vice versa, the day that, you know, the music comes pouring out, I will not stop because I have an alarm and say, oh, you've worked your, you know, six, eight <laughs> hours. So you now have to stop because you have set this rule that you will not. I will actually no. I, I almost like every month I will have uh, maybe uh, 10 days uh, that I go like to five o'clock in the morning that I'm just sitting writing. And at that time, the difference is nobody forces me and I'm not actually getting tired because it is super creative. And then I will take the time off the next day because yeah. it, it will be draining nevertheless, even if it's, you know, super fun and creative and stuff, it will still be uh, a tiresome experience, but you know, just just making sure that this is understood. It's not like uh, you know, I have like <laughs> reminders on my phone yeah, about yeah. now you work, now you read, now you. It's not like that, you know. No, absolutely. And I think the the core point that I think you you speak on is the fact that regardless, you you decide you make a conscious decision that you know this is the time where I work, and if I have inspiration, I'm going to keep going, and it's going to be great. And I'm going to make some some good stuff. Um, otherwise, yeah. You but then you also have those days or times where you're like, this is my relaxed time. I don't yep. need to be doing anything productive. This is this is for me to unwind. And and also in the downtime, um, you typically will find inspiration for when you get back to the to the job, you know? Exactly. And, yeah, really exactly. and I guess one of the other things I just want to touch on was um, I know I think I've I've read a, in a few places the fact that you do play quite a few video games yourself. So I was kind of curious to get your take on any games that you've been playing and really enjoying or games that you would recommend any listeners who might be looking for something to pick up. Yeah, um, I have to say that, unfortunately, the past couple of years, I, I'm, I'm not well read, let's say, in, That's the, okay. in, the it's in the video game scene. I haven't had the time to play too much, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but it, as it happened, for some reason, uh, before... Uh, this vacation, these holidays, and uh, just right after, I've gotten. I had a little bit of free time, and so I, I actually played three games. I'm, I'm two games I've completed, and I'm in the middle of 
on another one and uh one of them i've played way back when and it's called uh, sherlock holmes the lost files of sherlock holmes the case of the serrated scalpel which is an old okay. old adventure game i think from 92 or something oh, wow. and uh, i've been going into kind of a sherlock holmes uh not binge or something but uh, I've been playing some board games about it and the consulting mm -hmm. detective games with, uh, I don't know if you, if you know them. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I was kind of always mean, been meaning to revisit this game and I had the chance uh, to, to play it again and, and it was really fun. It's one of those games that I, I've played a couple of times before and every time I play it, I never remember the case and, or how it, it evolves and how to solve it and stuff. So it's all, almost every time... Kind of a new experience that is just just some stuff in the back of my head like the music was came back really uh strongly the some of the scenery um but it's a fantastic game that uh it's a kind of re i think recently been made easier to play through scum vm and maybe right. people that know about this uh, engine will know what i'm talking about but anyway that's one of my uh recent gaming endeav endeavors the other one was I actually played Call of Cthulhu, the 2018. Yeah. Let's say, uh, is it an adventure game? Is it an RPG game? It's kind of like, um, it's a mystery, uh, obviously inspired by Lovecraft. Mm -hmm. It has some RPG elements uh, that are uh, kind of uh, taken from the pen and paper RPG, mm -hmm. uh, the Call of Cthulhu pen and paper RPG. I, that game I really liked, despite it has like kind of mediocre, let's say, reviews. Like it's around the 70s on Metacritic and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it has been received like lukewarm. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a very uh, avid reader of Lovecraft. I, I like him a lot. Uh, yeah. And uh, this game really felt to me like... Are probably the most Lovecraftian game I've ever played because it just nails down the atmosphere. It doesn't have mm -hmm. uh, fighting and stuff, which is perfect for a Lovecraftian game because there are no stories in which Lovecraft goes into actual fighting. So yeah. I take <laughs> I take issue because I see a lot of people mentioning this is Lovecraftian and Lovecraftian, and it's all almost always it's action games with a lot of fighting. So that kind of ruins it for me from the get go, and it's mm -hmm. completely wrong. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm not going to lecture anybody on Lovecraft right now, although I can if they want. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, uh, I mean, the game has a bit of a few clunky moments, which were a little bit frustrating, but I forgive it because it just nails the lore. It takes inspiration from a lot of Lovecraft's uh, 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 writing, and it the atmosphere is just spot on and so i i really enjoyed it and okay. the, the the last game that i'm actually playing right now and i'm maybe in the middle of it it's a uh, disco elysium which kind of yeah you know there was a lot of talk a lot of buzz lately with some awards that it won and uh as i'm playing it i noticed that it deserved to get these awards i really love this game it's it's extremely unique i i don't think i've played anything like it and from a person that has almost never played RPG games, because I'm kind of, I don't really like them, mm -hmm. but I'm a, I'm a, a adventure game player at heart. I've always played, I love them. And to me, it seems like Disco Elysium is something that 
adventure games should re- and adventure game developers should really look into because it feels like it's a great thing for adventure games to go to you know instead of kind of uh rep- recreating the old classic point and click formula which is fine and i like it i like it a lot and it can still work in a modern setting at least for me mm-hmm. uh but but it's an interesting thing what they've done uh, in in this game i it's i don't want to spoil anything i think people should really give it a shot i think uh i think i will definitely look into it because i've heard i haven't um seen anything on the game but i've heard a number of like you know this game is fantastic you should try it uh recently yeah. so i might look into it myself so well thank you i appreciate you know some recommendations and um you know i think uh especially looking at some older games like i might need even need to check out this sherlock holmes games that you mentioned because <laughs> that sounds that sounds pretty interesting to me i love sherlock holmes myself so um, oh, there, yeah. Then, then it will probably be cool. It's a really spot-on Sherlock Holmes game. Well, that's good. Awesome. Well, um, thank you. And on that note, we will take a, a short little break, and then we'll come back with our uh, second half, talking more about Chris's uh, origins with sort of composing, and then also talking about outlooks and mentality a bit. So we'll be back in a little bit. So welcome back, everyone, to Wholesome Transmissions. And I'm here with Chris again. And we're going to talk about on the second half, sort of discussing more of the video game side of um, Chris's experience, especially with composing, and then get into sort of uh, mentality and an outlook a bit. So um, Chris, starting off the second half, I was just hoping you could kind of share a little bit of sort of what got you into music, um, at, you know, when you were younger, and then sort of what have been some of the driving factors that have continued this in you into adulthood? Yeah, um, I've been listening to music from quite uh, a young age. And uh my 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 parents home was a kind of a music home none of them are actually musicians none of my parents are musicians but they listened to a lot of music they had a quite large record collection so music was part of our daily life uh and at some point uh i can't remember i think it was uh, way, probably my mother's idea that you know it's time for the uh for chris to go to like a conservatory and start learning just part of the, you know, like we, we, we used to learn like English as a second language and music. It was very typical for, uh, for ch- children uh, at, at my age around, I don't know, like five or six or something. So I started the uh, conservatory doing some like early keyboard lessons. I, it was fine. At some points, I wanted to quit. It was <laughs> it, it was a bumpy ride. But yeah. when I was a 
a teenager, I started getting into bands and then it was kind of solidified for me. I really liked playing into bands. I taught myself the drums also, started learning the guitar in addition to piano. Um, and uh, as, as school was nearing its end, I was like, I, I felt that I understand music much better than I understand, I don't know, uh, physics or math or <laughs> history or something. Not, not that I was a bad student or anything. I was kind of a mediocre student because I read just enough to, you know, just get through without, uh, I studied just enough to, to get uh, through school without uh, any problems or something. I was never mm -hmm. in danger to like miss a class or, you know, to miss a year, I mean. Uh, but I just felt that it's really easy. To, it comes naturally to me to to be involved with music, and I really enjoy this thing, like playing with bands and all that stuff. So when uh, primary school was over, I went to to Athens. I grew up in Sparta, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went to Athens to to enroll in a kind of more high profile, let's say, conservatory where I would, you know, continue on kind of higher uh, theory classes and counterpoint and and composition and all that stuff. And eventually, actually, I uh, segued into that, into the theoretical part of it. I just enjoyed writing much more than playing. Um, and during my teenage years, the other thing that happened is that we started playing a lot of video games with my friends. We yeah. used to gather to whoever had the best computer at the time. Uh, so essentially it was either my dad's office or my friend's uh, mom's office. Uh, they had, they both had computers that were kind of, you know, uh, cutting edge, so to speak. So it was like a 286 and a 386 like that. Uh, and we used to game and we used to play adventure games a lot. And it was then that I started noticing that, I mean, all the games have music, but especially with ad adventure games, I felt like how important it was to get you into the story because they had the story you know because when you're playing test drive uh, the music is not as important because mm -hmm. you're just driving or you're pressing, playing a fighting game or a racing game it was not it was good to to set an atmosphere but it was not part of the narrative so to speak you know because there was almost no narrative but uh, with adventure games and particularly Monkey Island and Monkey Island 2, which was a huge revelation for me. I started noticing not just that the music is good, but hey, there's actually some people writing music for these games. I started yeah. noticing, like, you know, the credits, and like, I'm seeing, <laughs> oh, okay, that's the same guy who did the previous game, and then he's doing this, and now he's doing that. And so just continuing being a gamer throughout my teenage years and then into my 20s, I always felt like, okay, this is a this is a thing that I could possibly pursue, that it would be really fun. And in the beginning, it was totally a, a, a complete dream. It was on the equivalent level of, of when I was 13 and was dreaming that I would become a rock star. Mm -hmm. It was as distant and as dream in a dream state as that. Because growing up in Greece, we didn't have 
it, it was inconceivable that I that we don't have a gaming industry even in industry even now almost. Yeah. So uh, even at that time, it was kind of like uh, such a such a weird idea to even think about. But it was just in the back of my head. And then I went into my studies of uh, all the the music theory and stuff. And then I went to Amsterdam and I did uh, a master's about film music. And it was then that uh, I started pursuing, actually pursuing gigs in games and starting looking into forums and sending emails. And I've, I, at the time, I have also developed a little bit of a small portfolio with stuff. And I was getting a little bit better at, you know, producing my own music uh, on my own without needing, you know, other people on the computer. So at some point, it just got into games. I got my foot in the door. And, and after that, it was like, okay, I, I really focused on that because I I did some short films during my uh, Amsterdam years and stuff, and then I did a, another film that you mentioned in the intro and stuff. But I've always felt, after a point, I've always felt that I'm a game composer and I do films on the side, mm -hmm. where when for some people it's like the other way around. Yeah. For me, it was like, okay, I love games. I want to write for games. I've managed to do it, and now I'm going to stick to it and, and try to... To do it, and I have to say that I'm one of the lucky people that, while I'm not like a, a rich person or anything by any means, at least I don't need to work a second job. I can I can live from uh, writing music for games primarily. Yeah, well, that, I mean that that's huge, and that's I mean really great to hear because um, you truly seem to have such a, a huge passion for what you do, and people love it. So I'm really glad that you're able to kind of support yourself off of that. And then I know you've probably talked about this before, but I was curious for listeners who may not know and sort of going along the same vein of the projects you've done. So how did your involvement with um, Hopu Games, you know, start and, and sort of, you know, what kind of spurred that to happen? Well, I had done a, a tiny little game for mobile with a Greek company at the time. I think it was 2012, it was called Droidscape Basilica, and very, very few people played it, unfortunately. It was truly a labor of love. We, we got very little money, everyone, that team, and uh, the, we spent a lot of work on it. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, and I had put that along with some other stuff on my SoundCloud, and I tagged it, you know, video game stuff that uh, people do, and they should do it. Uh, mm -hmm. and I just got an email one day from Hope when they said, look, we're making a game. We found this playlist from you and we kind of liked it. It's kind of, it was kind of an electronic thing that I'd done at the time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we were looking for someone to write a couple of tracks for a game that we're planning to, to crowdfund. And the idea is that we're going to find, uh, uh a few composers that everyone will do one or two tracks and we'll put them into the game and then i, mm -hmm. I in in my complete naivete and uh just uh being a little bit i don't know arrogant even i was like i would love to do the game but i don't think it's a good idea for you guys to do a bunch of composers because it's going to be very incoherent and different mm -hmm. production quality it's not going to benefit the game I can do it, but I only I can only do it if I do the game. <laughs> and uh, after a few a few weeks or something, which I completely discarded uh, this uh, and, and forgot about it, I got an email 
they said, uh, okay, let's go. And, uh, and I'm assuming that one of the uh, contributing factors to that is I had also mentioned my price, and I'm pretty sure that I was the cheapest person that they've contacted uh, at the time. Uh, so oh. it, after that, it was just, uh, you know, uh, kind of, uh, it, it was a good pair working with Hopu, I must yeah. say, because uh, we, we noticed really early on, and I mean, our first co collaboration for Risk of Rain was maybe not awkward but it we both were kind of because there it was their first game it was my not my first uh, game project but the previous ones i've done i've done it with people that i almost knew a little better mm -hmm. so it was more uh i was more familiar with them so now it was a little bit different for me it was kind of more let's say professional yeah uh and uh we both approached it very carefully, you know. Yeah. But what we what we realized quite soon that our our ideas kind of click, and we're thinking in parallel. And we noticed that, uh, for example, uh, they uh, were developing the game and thinking about the themes and stuff. And I sent them a track that it was titled Monsoon, and they had the, the difficulty level, the difficult level in the game was also called Monsoon, and that yeah. was kind of entirely by accident. We haven't <laughs> never talked about it. And many other things about how the music should develop and what should do. And I noticed that I started sending them weirder and weirder stuff, and they were saying, we like this better than the previous, or, you know. <laughs> and then I, and I started yeah. realizing, okay, that we can work, I can work with these people in a very interesting way. We can do something that is not you know, uh, traditional in a sense, and they are very open to 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 doing weird things with the music and and with the game itself. Um, and I think it might have to do with also their uh, their own uh, naivety and uh, and maybe arrogance in the sense that we're gonna make this game. We're a couple of students. We don't we don't expect anything, so we can do whatever we want. So. Yeah. You know that yeah, was exactly. a, that was a good ground for experimentation on on all sides. Well, definitely. I mean, and not only. I mean, I can ma imagine an, an added layer of difficulty because uh, Hopu is based in the U.S. and you're you're in yes. uh, Greece. So obviously, you know, your relationship with them is all online, and it's a new relationship that you've formed, and it is a sort of working relationship, which can it, the dynamics between that can certainly be a little difficult at times you know i mean <laughs> um yeah exactly although i should say well by the way i was in amsterdam due to to greece it was during that time actually when i we wrapped up the music and then i sent it over then i moved back to greece and then we still had some like fine things to do like uh, mm -hmm. details but uh the the music was written there that's and, awesome and just one interesting thing the the music for risk of rain one was written in about two, two and a half months, and now I've been writing for two years for the second <laughs> game. So that's another thing. Uh, ah, but, wow. uh, but what I wanted to say about the distance and the long distance thing and the, the online, I think it worked in our benefit in the sense that um, 
we we never felt pressure from each other and mm -hmm. because you know you have the 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 comfort of you know when somebody sends you something and you need to reply you have the time to think about it when you're not in the same room or something and you, and consider what you're gonna do or you know yeah uh and also what i've really enjoyed throughout the years of working with people in the us is the time difference and the fact that i'm one day ahead and i can't well a few hours ahead so yeah. and i can't i can't tell you how many times i've used this to my advantage to <laughs> to to catch the the very latest second of a deadline because yeah. i know that you know i can send it and they will wake up and pick it up and you know sometimes it works really fine like that yeah, no, that, that is that is very true. Um, and I mean, especially with with Hopu, again, being like a startup, like only two people working on the game. Um, and I think I don't think that what you said was arrogant at all. Honestly, I think it's a, it's very true that for a video game soundtrack, having a bunch of different composers would make the project feel disjointed. And when I think of like some of my favorite game soundtracks, like I really like the soundtrack to Undertale, um, Night in the Woods several others that I, I've really gravitated towards um, you can you can feel the the certain the one singular composer or the people that he collaborated with but that you can feel that team's energy yes. throughout the soundtrack and um, I think that that was good on you to, to say that is that um, you know otherwise I could I, I could definitely see it feeling a bit all over the board which is something that you don't really want in a video game you know yeah that's true I mean I I, I say arrogant in the sense that I, I knew that this is a good idea. I just, at the time, I didn't consider the fact that this is a very, this has the very real possibility to cost me that job and not exactly. have money. That's exactly. in that sense. No, that's, no. Yeah. I didn't care. It's, I was like, <laughs> yeah, whatever, you know, well, I know I'll do it or nothing. Well, that, that's, uh, I think that also just shows, um, you you also know your own worth, I think, in that sense, and that you understand um, that you'd rather have something done really well than done sort of in a in a way that you, that's not up to what you maybe feel is like your standard, you know? Yeah, it, it's also at the time, I, I it's not that I didn't feel comfortable about what I can do, but it was also mm -hmm. because it was such a new break breaking such a new ground in, in this thing. Yeah. Uh, to me, it also felt like diving in the deep end and learning how to swim, you know, yeah. <laughs> in there. So I, got, I, I was trying to force myself into a situation where I would not be able to back up or half-hearted or, you know, just uh, where, where I would have to do the work and that other people in a very, very realistic, professional way would expect things from me to be done, you know, on time and, and all that stuff, which... Yeah. Until then, it was a little bit more casual. Not not that I was doing good work with. I had worked on a couple of, of other games, but the relationship was a little bit different, and we had kind of different uh, timetables. And and it was like, okay, let's start doing it, and whenever we're done, we're done. You know. So this yeah. time, I knew that I wouldn't have this uh, this level of comfort, and and so I I, I wanted. I want it to be an all-in thing so I can, you know, force myself to to do the work and, uh, you know. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, now your relationship with Hopu Games, I mean, it's been going on for, for several years now since Risk of Rain 1. You've worked on three games yes. together. Risk of Rain 2 is still ongoing. So in that regard, has it become, you know, obviously I think 
has it has the relationship changed in that time and how maybe how has that impacted how you work on the music yes the the relationship the relationship has changed it has evolved it has matured and uh we are much better at communicating stuff we are still people of very few words when it comes mm-hmm. to music and which i really enjoy because uh we usually i mean i'm really happy to say that hope puts a lot of trans- trust on me at sometimes maybe even more than they should when more than <laughs> it's responsible to 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 put on a person mm-hmm. but uh but i feel really comfortable uh at this time to throw at them very weird and rough ideas and trust that they will see a couple of layers ahead from that. So when, for example, on Risk of Rain 1, I would send them pretty much completed tracks and say, okay, this is a demo, it's not mixed, but you, but the track was there, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, when we started Risk of Rain 2, I have sent them 30-second snippets of a, for a tiny idea, a tiny drum loop, and I said, look, can you imagine this, how it will become? Or how do you like this weird sound that I'm using? There's no music, it's just a weird sound. What do you think about it? You know, what if we do this? Uh, but it, it, was, uh, it, it now gets super fun to talk with them about music. And uh, I get very positive feedback, feedback from them and very crucial feedback. It's never, you know, we don't like this or we don't like that. It's always, you know, what if this was different or it's constructive uh, but the reality is that I, I still keep sending them weirder tracks and they keep <laughs> saying that you know we like this uh, kind of craziness and yeah. uh, this is something that I enjoy a lot working with them now and yeah I, for me it's like kind of Hopu is giving me a platform to write my solo albums and put them in in the games and and have a lot of people listen to them because when i'm writing i mean deadwood was also kind of in that vein but it was a bit different because we knew that we are going to tackle uh uh different styles so some of the songs are kind of um not pastiches but you know it's they're very much based on a specific sound definitely but but with but with risk of rain it was really something that I, I was doing my thing you know i was just pouring all my influences into the game and just yeah. uh doing it and it was it was like that on risk of rain 1 and it's like that on risk of rain 2 in in a, in different ways but but the relationship with hope has only grown stronger through that it's yeah. it's not uh you know no, I agree, and I think I think that Risk of Rain Two, I, I definitely feel that in the soundtrack is it's this is it is sort of an evolution in terms of the stuff does sound more experimental in some ways, and I think uh, the one track that you released recently with the, the December update even had some spoken word over it, which yeah, I think yeah. was like which was really cool. I loved hearing that, and it is sort of something that obviously that's not that hasn't been something that's been included in Risk of Rain game. Uh, either no it's not in the game it's just uh just it's not it's not even in the game made it's part of the soundtrack version although yeah because we didn't want to uh interrupt it would be too too disrupting Mm -hmm. uh, and too weird to put it in the game yeah but uh writing the track i i wanted i had this uh 
sample. I've been meaning to use it for a long time and, so, and it just felt that it really fits. The harmony of overwhelming and collective murder. But when I say this, I say this all full of admiration. It is not that I hate it, I love it. I love it very much. But I love it against my better judgment. Both the game and this particular track. So I tested it out and it just fits so well that I, I didn't want to lose it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I told the guys, this is what I'm experimenting. And we talked about in the and they liked the idea, they liked the narration. Uh, we talked about Herzog a lot. Who is the the person that is uh, voicing the sample? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was fun, uh, and yeah, it's 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 one of the things that that I say that I can get as weird as possible, and then they still say, yeah, it's, that's that's cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and your music create like even though it's weird and there's like a lot of you know interesting sounds or almost like dissonance in the tracks. On the whole, I think it, it still creates this like almost luscious electronic landscapes that fit the feel of the game really well you know like i think on the surface yeah well of course and i think on the surface you might be like well why would you include like rock guitar and stuff like that and this like isolating game but when it when the finished product like of you playing the game and you have that very ominous feel going on it does it does suit it in a way that i don't think you could replace the music with anything else and it feel the same you know i think it's it fits right in i hope so yeah that's good to hear yeah, I think it does. And I think also going off of that, one thing that I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, how you spoke on it a bit before, just how important music can be in a video game and how a good soundtrack can honestly, in my opinion, make or break a game. So I was kind of curious, just kind of hear your thoughts on, um, you know, where you think importance should be put on video game soundtracks or, or games that, you know, do it really well or poorly, how that changes how people perceive them yes i've been i've been thinking about this a lot actually uh i i think here's the thing it's music is a really weird thing in games it i it can honestly elevate a game a lot when it clicks and when it fits it can take the game to a different level uh one of the finest examples is journey obviously but i have i have a ton of other games even ones that are not because with Journey, music is such a such a core thing of the game. But there, are, or I could also mention, you know, like rhythm games and stuff, where music is is a part yeah, of the mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. But um, even in other games where music is a is a background element, it can still be something that really puts you in a different mood and really makes you feel differently playing the game and. Uh, for example, one of my favorite games because of its music, it's Hitman 2, uh, Silent mm-hmm. Assassin, uh, which, which has really remarkable music. And it's one of the reasons that I wanted to go into video game music anyway. I just love that soundtrack so much. Uh, but, in, but the reality is that it's kind of background music. It's not super important. You can totally turn it off and play the game. You can uh, uh, run a Spotify playlist of your own stuff. Yeah. And the th- and the fun thing is about music, if you put a different playlist or turn it off, you will probably have a different experience. Definitely. And that's something that is really interesting about how music, is, how, how music works. 
something that I found is that a lot of people take uh, music and sound for granted. And I don't mean mm -hmm. it in a bad way. They, they take it for granted that is it's just there, it doesn't matter. Not in that sense, but they assume that the music that they hear and the sound that they hear is truly coming from the game. It's supposed to be there, it has always been there. And that exactly. can really inform your experience. One of the ways that we saw this very tangibly in Risk of Rain 2 is that we experimented with dynamic music. We experimented with the music kind of following the action. So, you know, if you had fewer enemies on screen, it would stick to a more calm part of the music. And then if a lot of chaos would uh, ensue, it would jump into the intense part, like the solo parts and all that stuff. And we noticed that it wasn't working. And then we, after, after a lot of experimentation with that, we stripped everything out and we just put a simple playback. And we said the, the track starts here and ends and then just loops. And people started giving us feedback that was like, wow, I can't believe how well the music fits and how it reacts <laughs> and how it's, um, it's, it's just reflecting what's happening. And the, and the reality is that it's not, obviously not the music is not <laughs> reflecting anything, it just plays. Yeah. But yeah. because the music is long form and in a narrative sense, and I, I, I mean it in quotes, in the sense that it's not verse chorus and stuff, it's not kind of repeating itself, it's just, Every ver verse is different, every chorus is different, and it has a flow. Yeah. If you if you hear the music as it's written, it has an arc and it gets you somewhere. And as you play, you, you, you subconsciously get into that groove and you play as the music tells you to play. So you often, you know, you will start getting more intense as the music gets intense. And this Absolutely. will happen in, in a lot of games, you know, and I really love it when that clicks. And uh, so this is one... The, so what I'm trying to say is, I guess, that with music in particular, it's a weird thing. You can totally play your own music and the game will still work because you love that music and it makes you play in a different game. Mm -hmm. With audio, it's a little bit different because audio needs to be good. Otherwise, it will be kind of breaking the experience, I think. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. more tricky. And uh, unfortunately, audio is... If, if music is not appreciated at all, audio is not even in, in the radar of anybody. <laughs> no. it's, it's really bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in, in general, when you're playing a game, what you're listening, what feedback you get from the game is super important. It should totally be talked about more and be appreciated more especially from the, from the gaming press if i, uh, uh, if I, I may say no i i i 100 agree because i think that uh, you you touch on it where like you kind of feel when you're playing the game the music is supposed to be there like if you're playing you know for example let's use risk of rain 2 if you're playing the game the music wasn't there and it's just the monsters it would feel off and it would probably feel very weird for the the player experience and you kind of just like if you think of risk of rain 2 or you envision it in your head you're probably envisioning it with the music right or, or moments that you have in the game boss fights or whatever you're probably thinking of the music that played in the background and you you don't always consciously notice it 
but if it was taken away, everyone would notice it very quickly, you know? Yeah, um, so you, so. yeah, yeah. I, and I think of Risk of Rain too, it, it certainly does. And, you know, I think you also talk about the, the dynamic music aspect. Um, when I think of boss fights in Risk of Rain 2 or specific runs that I've done personally that have gone really well, I will think back on those fights and I'll think about the specific music part that was playing in the background. And I think that the soundtrack is set up in such a way that it might not like any part of the soundtrack could work almost under any sort of the combat, you know? Um, and I think one of the questions I wanted to ask you about then regarding the Risk of Rain soundtrack is given the game being a roguelike and the fact that a lot of people will be playing the game for a lot of hours and a lot of different sessions and the idea is to play the game on repeat, do you take that into consideration when you're crafting the soundtrack of the fact that people will be playing these same songs over and over? That's, that's a tricky one, actually, because... Uh, I am uh, a person that sometimes might turn off the music of, of games I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to avoid it on a professional courtesy, but uh, yeah. sometimes I will just uh, kind of eventually get tired of it. Um, it's a tr- tricky thing to do. There's, I think there are two sides to this. One is that uh, you kind of get used to it in the sense that if... I remember myself playing Super Mario on the Game Boy and hearing the same 30-second loop for hours mm-hmm. and kind of not, not really getting tired of it for, in, in a weird way. Um, yeah. it, it kind of blends in. It becomes part of the thing, and you, you don't uh, feel it too much. And the fact that at least, at the very least, you ha- you will break, it will break between you know, like the level, the teleporter, the, the boss fight, um, even even going back to the same two tracks, it will still this break kind of helps. But the the other thing is uh, how we try to fight it is having longer tracks in the sense that they don't repeat as quickly. At least De- you know definitely. just having a five minute a six minute track makes it a little bit uh, uh, slower to to repeat than being at like a two minute thirty seconds track. Uh, of course, we don't expect that everyone would always be listening and, uh, and no one will get tired, but we're not, we're not trying to solve this problem in any sense. You know, we're not gonna uh, uh, introduce like a new paradigm of how music, game music will be uh, experienced or something. It would, uh, it's, it's kind of one of those problems that it's really hard to solve uh, unless you had a, a gen- generative music. I don't know, you know, like something that is just made on the fly or something. But mm-hmm. we're, we're not there yet, and I don't <laughs> think we'll ever be, and that's no. for good. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know. If, to me personally, if you if you at least like the music and feel that it's uh, adding to the game if after you know 20 hours or 30 hours or 60 hours you turn it off and you put your uh playlist of uh i don't know risk of rain one let's say just a (laughs) random example on spotify it's fine it's fine 
Yeah, no, I, I I get that, and I I agree. I think one of the things is the quality of the music. Also, like if 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 a soundtrack is done well, I think that maybe if it even is shorter, players will probably still be okay with listening to it as long as um it it it's, it has that level of care. You know, it's not just like something that someone threw together in in a quick yeah a hundred percent yeah. I sh- I should also add that one of the things that at least I do, especially with Risk of Rain, is that. Risk of Rain is a very it has very intense pro- productions. It's definitely it's kind of it's it's like a wall of sound. It's like the, mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of things going on at any moment. So in the music, so I think that people can spend a lot of time deciphering it. You know, so it's it's easy to it, it it's easy to notice new things in every in every loop of uh, the same track. I hope Absolutely. at least. I think so. I, I definitely. Think I know. So. I know that I packed it with a lot of things. Yeah, I. I and it's always, It's quite exciting for me when people send me like a, a Twitter message or whatever and say, "Ah, I see what you did there. You like <laughs> link this thing with from that thing, and uh, you know." And yeah. as I like to say, all my music exists in the same musical universe. So I very often take stuff from other games I've worked on and put them in just connecting, you know, little little bits and pieces for the conspiracy theorists among the players to there you go but <laughs> perfect that no that's good you gotta gotta create your own universe um yeah and yeah i th- i definitely think so i was listening to the soundtracks quite a bit in sort of prepar- preparation and you know just making sure I-, I listened to all your stuff and i agree every time i was listening to a track i would like notice oh yeah there's like this sound in the background i didn't notice before um which i think definitely again yeah helps to the idea of re- repeat listening um, which yeah. is great. And then I guess sort of moving on with sort of our last topic that we like to talk about on the show, which mm-hmm. is sort of men- mentality and mental health. And uh, we were just sorting, I was just hoping to pick your brain on the subject. And you know, I know we talked about our initial mess- messages, some of your frustrations you have the gaming industry and things. And um, well, I don't want to necessarily bring up bad memories or talk about like drama or anything necessarily. What have been some of the biggest obstacles for you that you faced? Okay, well, one of the biggest uh, sources of frustration for me is what I just talked about, that uh, music and audio are not very much appreciated. And this, mm-hmm. can, sometimes it really, it really drags me down and puts me in a bad mood. Uh, I'm reading reviews of super high-profile games with, super, with amazing composers. There are amazing mm-hmm. people working on, on music and audio right now in games. And I'm reading a review and I... Control F and try music, soundtrack, audio, and there's no <laughs> yeah. zero return. And that really puts me in a bad mood. I think we need to talk about music and, and sound way much more because it's a super important part of the game. We, d- we really need to, you know, talk about that. that that's, of course, this is kind of a more uh, general global level frustration. It's, not, it's yeah. not so much a personal thing because it doesn't have to do with my own achievements and my own music and my own uh, struggles, but it's just something that it really puts me in a bad mood uh, very often. One of the oh, things that yeah. frust- oh sorry, you wanted to to add something to that, please. Uh, well, yeah, I was just gonna say that I was curious because I certainly we were just I was talking to some friends the other day about how a lot of people have kind of 
they they the triple a industry like the mainstream games that come out are kind of this routine that don't necessarily introduce a lot of interesting ideas and i think what a lot of people are doing at least my friend groups we're going more for indie games that are made by small groups or individual people that have really yes. interesting concepts to try to get down and in those games i'm curious if if you see more success with with relationships between composers like yourself and the developers who actually realize the fact that audio is that important yeah and i i think i think that's that's true there's i don't want to blame the triple a industry for not taking care of its composers although yeah it's it it is a very different beast than working on indie games because mm -hmm. it's it's a it's another thing to work on triple a projects the contracts are very different uh your own ownership with of your music and uh, monetization of your music is different, yeah. uh, but that's that's a different thing. We don't need to get into that. Um, mm -hmm. the The main problem problem, the main issue about uh, AAA games is often there's little space for experimentation, and people sometimes need to do what's done. So yeah. you know, if you have your Call of Duty 225, it's really <laughs> hard not to have a particular method of writing music for it. And it's really hard to have great pieces of music coming out of it that are not like in the cutscenes, for example, because when you're into the fighting loop, um, the once, you know, you, you infiltrate the space and then you go into a level, so to speak, and you do a fight. And then the music will just go into a loop where, I don't know, it will keep playing until you kill the last enemy and then it will trigger the outro loop and then it yeah. will go into silence. So this is kind of standardized and this doesn't allow for a lot of experimentation. It's hard to write uh, a 12 minute track and, and throw it in there. You need to, you know, be constantly uh, on the same level of, of, of tension. Things like that need to occur, you know, so it's uh, it's tricky. So it's not that it's the bad AAA industry that doesn't allow composers to, to do their own thing. It's just that it wouldn't really fit in a game like that to have, you know, too experimental music, for example. Although, yeah. we, had, although we had several good examples even on that. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's fine because... No one, none of the composers are complaining because we do have the indie scene and we can do really wonderful things there. Yeah. Uh, so this is a very good thing. And we do have different relationships with developers. My, my, my beef about the gaming industry is, is, doesn't have to do with developers that much. I think that developers of indie projects are kind of aware of how important music is and... Mm -hmm they are looking for good music to have in their games and they do find people that write interesting stuff and and this also creates space for people to write interesting stuff so we do have people that are not writing generic music in in the games you even even if people are not uh the best on uh, production or whatever the music usually is quite interesting so this Definitely. is this is a good thing um Okay, it was some, I think there was something else, but I don't remember it now because I started rambling. And oh, no, no, that, that's okay. I, I guess one of the things I would ask about then is, um, you know, 
because I know I'm a very cynical person myself, right? And I look at like how how the world is run or certain industries and I look at it like, wow, like there's a lot of issues here and, you know, maybe we'll never fix them and maybe they're oh, certainly not in my lifetime, right? So for you, how do you maybe, I mean, because you seem that even if you have that, those kind of thoughts, you seem like you're kind of upbeat individual and certainly you've been able to work on some great projects. So maybe how do you maintain a sort of a, a more positive outlook or what? how do you kind of take care of yourself in that way? It's uh, it's a uh, it's a struggle. Let's call it that. <laughs> if if you if one should yeah. call it struggling to be positive, you know? uh, it is. But it is. It is. The, the reality is that it is, and especially sometimes uh, video game uh, community and and the business, it can really hit you hard. We have several examples the past few years where it has been really tough. Mm -hmm. uh with particular uh dramas that have ensued and that were very nasty and mean things were exchanged very mean things yeah uh and sometimes this really gets me down but i do have a i i i don't expect things to to change i don't have a i i don't have a clause let's say that unless things change I will, you know, get out of the gaming <laughs> industry or I will not, you know, or just, uh, uh, it's nothing like that. I, I, I would love things to change for the better, but it's not, for me, it's not so much about video games in particular. It's about humanity in, in, in its totality. It's, it, because I, I feel like we're kind of in a weird place right now. It's, uh, I don't know. It's not not exactly a crossroads, but it's it's a good time for some r strong reevaluations. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't want to get like too political or anything. No, but, no that's okay. Uh, you know, uh, I, I mean, but uh, but I am I am an optimist heart, and mm -hmm. I'm also a person who will keep on fighting for what I believe that it's right and what I believe that is good and what I believe that it should change. And I'm not gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna be disappointed and I'm gonna be frustrated when it doesn't happen. But I'm not gonna give up. And that's that is my optimism. You know, yeah. that's I, I. I will at least try. I will try to talk to people about it. I will try to to have people you know join the cause, so to speak. Uh, and I'll try to. At, at times, a way that I do it is to take myself a little bit out of it because there are times that it gets too intense. This, this summer, for example, we had a little bit of an outbreak for people that follow the gaming world and the dramas that happen within it. We had a little bit of an outbreak of a, of a, a new drama. And at some point, it got really harsh. And I felt like, are we the good guys? It's like mm -hmm. this sketch from... Uh... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's like that sketch from that show, that, that Mitchell and Webb look. I don't know if people have seen it. And... They're they're fighting on the trenches, mm -hmm. and and they're kind of like they're getting shot, and it's like it's like a war two situation, and and at some point 
it's basically Nazis that are fighting and they look at themselves and they have skulls on their hats and stuff and they look at each other and say are we the baddies and yeah it's this is this is a really important thing for people to look a bit inward at some points and and see what we think is happening for good maybe it's it's getting too far definitely yeah so maybe that's something that people need to to pay a little bit more attention here there are there are different ways to deal with things at some point or past some point yeah i agree i i think that any issue in this in society i mean again i don't there's no like right or wrong answer sometimes right and there's no good or bad of course of course yeah and it's 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 why i said that uh, it's not for me my frustration at this time it doesn't come from games i i have grown past the the both the 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 maturity and the age let's say that i feel that games are important i realize mm-hmm. that games are not important they are not important in the large scheme of things they are they are important because everything is kind of important all art is important they're not exactly. more important than i don't know films or music or art or the day-to-day lives of people uh, the, the living conditions, the wages, the, the wars, the what you know, everything kind of it's a dialectical thing. Everything works uh, to towards something. Everything pushes towards somewhere. So mm-hmm. games is just another small part of that. And the things that frustrate me in games are things that I see that either are reflected or coming from the general society. So mm-hmm. it's not, you know, I feel frustrated because the world sucks, for example, not because yeah. games <laughs> suck, you know. Yeah. People and the industry is is complex and it's a little cloudy and I think that we would like to say that this is this is right, this is wrong, these are the things that are right, this is, these are things that are wrong with the industry or something like that. And it's not when you kind of delve into it and you start talking to people and you start hearing both sides of the situation. You're like, you like, like you just said, like, wow, are we the good guys? Are we the bad guys? Yeah. Like what, like what's really going on? And I think that you just have to be open to self-introspection and willing to be honest with yourself and others and think of the fact that you know oh yeah okay we're we're this part or we're this small sector in the in the world and we do have our issues and you, i think the best thing you can do is try to put things into perspective and again like you said have that hope for what might come and if it doesn't come yeah you're going to get discouraged and feel down in the moment but to understand that you have there's you got to keep fighting you got to push through it and yeah, you know 100% will, yeah and things will eventually you know hopefully improve and if they don't that you well, know you can you still make tra- it try at least for to, to to do better for the people that will come next because yeah. once we're done it's not the ov- the end <laughs> exactly be, we shouldn't be solipsistic in by any means no exactly um and then i i, I sort of as we conclude was there anything else that maybe you wanted to talk about any questions that you had or anything else that you were wanting to bring up for listeners uh, I'm not sure if, if I wanted to say something is to to listeners that are gamers and that are fond or love game music is to to urge them to be more aware about it mm-hmm. and to demand from the reviewers that uh, their favorite publication to talk about game music and for them and this is not me scolding anybody on the quite the contrary because i think actually 
gamers are very strong on supporting game music, especially at this time, like the, the past several years. They have been, there's, uh, if, it, if it wasn't for gamers, literally game music would not exist. They have supported in, in very uh, meaningful ways. But mm-hmm. I would like to say that when you're listening to a game and you like the music, figure out who's the composer, see if they have a Bandcamp page, see if they have a YouTube channel, see if they are on Spotify and try to support them because it's really tough for composers to, to make it. And especially in the indie world, uh, there, are, there are some composers that are kind of big and we see them and we think that everyone is like that. And I'm one of the people that, as I've mentioned earlier, I make a living through game music, but there are a lot of people that don't. So, you know, be aware of that. Don't take all composers for granted that, you know, they're covered or they're... And, and if I have one thing to say is that a lot of comments I get is, hey, we love your music, so we bought this game. And this is a beautiful comment that everybody should send to the developer of the game. Yeah. But to me, to me, they should send the, the message that we love your music <laughs> and, and we bought your music because this is how that's what, that's what puts food on my table. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. The other thing is important for, for the developers to know because then that gets me more job. And it's, all, mm-hmm. it's, super, it's a great comment for me because that's my job to make yeah. you like the game. Uh, but, you know, I, I, with a little bit of an asterisk there, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And absolutely. And for anyone listening, you can check out um, Chris's music. He's on Bandcamp. You have a YouTube page as well. That's just your name. Um, yes. And Basically, the- if, if, you, if you Google my name, there used to be a photographer that, uh, that actually photographs uh, classical concerts mm-hmm. that is also named Chris Christodoulou. And, it, and I, I took over. So now if you Google my name, <laughs> I'm on top. And I'm very happy to report that I even gotten a call from the Berlin Philharmonic once to have them photograph one of their sessions. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's really great. That's awesome. but but yeah, if if you if you search me on Twitter, I will probably come up. If you search me on YouTube, I will probably come up. If you search me on Google, a bunch of stuff with my face, not my face, my avatar will there pop up. So you can find me there. The, if if you want to do one of those things, find me on Bandcamp and check out my music. That's the, that's the most important for me. Definitely, uh, yeah. If you like Chris's music, please go check out his Bandcamp. You can um, buy all his albums there, and I highly recommend picking up. Um, I really like Deadbolt. I think Deadbolt just some of the sounds on there, the like yeah, the jazzy sort of bluesy feel on some of the tracks are particularly awesome. So, again, please check out his music. And Chris, thank you so much for coming onto our show. Um, it was a pleasure talking to you and sitting down. And talk about Risk of Rain 2 and sort of your journey and some of the obstacles you faced. Um, so we really appreciate you being on the show for us. It was a pleasure indeed. Thank you so much for having me. It was super fun. Yeah, definitely. And for all listeners, we'll be back with additional episodes of this season. Um, we, re- we typically release on the last Friday of every month. And if we have bonus episodes like this, this will just be sort of sporadically. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at Wholesome FM. And we're on most um, podcast streaming platforms. And uh, have a great day. Wholesome Transmissions is hosted by me, Pineapple Freak, and Radio. Our producer is Radio, and our editors are Radio and myself. Our logo is designed by Griffical and also Radio. All music used in this episode is courtesy of Chris, Chris Tadulu. 
Thank you so much, Chris, for allowing us to use your music on this episode. And shout out to Hopu Games. You guys are all really awesome. And his music was electric. <laughs>